Welcome to A24 on the Rocks. We are without Blaze tonight because his roommate farted on his pillow and gave him pink eye. That's okay though. I am drinking Red Breast Irish Whiskey. Up next we have Kelly. Hey, it's Kelly. I'm glad you're all back. I'm here too. I'm also drinking Red Breast Irish Whiskey. Hi, my name is Cole William Whitlaw Gibson. Uh, tonight I am drinking uh, Canada Dry because I am at my parents' basement and there is not any alcohol in this house, which is quite a sad state Ooh, of affairs. Uh. But up next we have... Good evening, world. My name is Kevin K. Khan Konachek, and tonight I am drinking The Busker, which is an Irish whiskey. I think I talked about it the last time. Triple cask, triple smooth, triple cheap, and... Yeah, happy to be back. Got over a little bout of the COVID, and now we're ready to talk about some movies. So, woohoo! Yes, we are. So, we are going to review Life After Beth, which was released in 2014, first at Sundance Film Festival, and then later in, in the year it was uh, released in a limited release. It was written and directed by Jeff Baina, and it starred Aubrey Plaza and Dane DeHaan, and had quite the supporting cast with John C. Riley, Molly Shannon, Cheryl Hines, Anna Kendrick, and Matthew Gray Grubler. Uh, it is about a young man's recently deceased girlfriend mysteriously returns from the dead, but he slowly realizes she is not the way he remembered her. Uh, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think I do want to just start out this episode like we start a lot of weeks. Vibe checks, vibe checks, vibe checks. I will go to Kelly first. What kind of vibes did you get right at the start? So I was trying to remember a movie that came out um, that was similar to this one, and it actually came out a year before. It was called Warm Bodies, and it was about mm. like two teenagers who both become zombies, and it's this love story, and it was really wildly popular. And I thought it was awful, so I thought that this would also be awful. And the beginning of this really exceeded my expectations. It was quirky. It made me laugh out loud. The music choices were excellent. So initial vibe, also camera shots. We were talking about in a previous episode, the lack of diversity in some camera shots. Lots of diversity here. Everything was looking to be very good from the start. That was my initial vibe. Cole, what I uh, I've never seen this movie before, but I, you know, kind of saw some of the the trailer and stuff. It definitely had a like warm bodies meets like. Pet Cemetery slash Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> like, it was like a weird comedy thing. I don't know, like, the start of the movie just seemed very, just kind of... It, it didn't catch me as much as I think it caught Kelly. I was interested. I think, like, the shots were good. I don't know, it just kind of seemed like I was just starting a normal film, not necessarily, like, an A24 film. So, my initial vibe was just, uh, yeah, this is a, this is a movie... That's about all I got. So this is definitely, you know, it falls in the comedy horror category. Kevin, were you laughing at the start at the very least? Did this fantastic ensemble cast of comedic actors at least deliver 
in the the comedy part of the comedy horror genre. Yeah, before you uh, fed me that question, I was going to lead with my initial vibe check as it being uh, an excellent comedy right off the bat and having, you know, even the one-liner about black napkins to start off the whole thing. I just found that absolutely hilarious. It's like, well, you could go mm-hmm. to a party store and like, he's going to his <laughs> girlfriend's, you know, funeral and... I just thought that was a great way to kick off the kind of the levity, and as a viewer, you kind of knew that was the way the the film was going to go. Um, Obviously, once you get introduced, like you said, that all-star cast of comedians, um, John C. Riley and Molly Shannon are two A-list comedy, uh, you know, superstars, and and Audrey Audrey Plaza also is coming into her own realm when it comes to, to comedy acting in general. So the vibe was great from the comedic standpoint, and they did not let down, uh, keeping kind of those punchy pieces, putting it together. Um, and we'll kind of get on to it as we get on, whether it really accomplished its goal of being a comedy or not. But, um, you know, that was kind of how it started out. So amongst like all of these zombie films I've ever seen, I definitely think this is one of the more unique ones in the way they portray how zombies uh, or a person turns into a zombie. And this one, it kind of it takes several days for the transformation to take place. Most other zombie movies, you might not know for a day or two, like they'll have a bite somewhere and then uh, the transformation is pretty instant. So Cole, I know you are kind of a fan of zombie movies um, per se. What did you think of how they kind of portrayed the transformation into Aubrey Plaza or uh, Beth Slocum being becoming a zombie? Yeah, so I've seen, uh, I love zombie movies and, uh, you know, read all the books and Walking Dead and all that stuff, Max Brook and whatnot. I thought it was very unique, and I, I, I genuinely, uh, that was one thing I I liked the take on this movie of how they did the zombie genre, where all the dead people just kind of wake up one day, and they're kind of just normal, and they don't remember anything, but then they slowly start to decay a little bit more, and then get mm-hmm. a little hangry, uh, unless you play him some smooth jazz. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I enjoyed it, I thought it was a unique perspective, and it was, uh, kind of a refreshing take because i was a little concerned that it was going to do like the warm bodies or like the Shaun of the dead type stuff so i like that they kind of took their own had their own plan and, and stuck with it and i i thought they did a good job with it kelly where do you think this falls in terms of zombie lore so i love me some monster movies but i hate zombies hate them <laughs> uh Shaun of the dead is the exception that's an extremely hilarious movie but there's nothing that I like about them, so I was not excited to see this. But I did find them being a zombie that's like, I don't really know that I'm a zombie. I'm like, this is tolerable. They're still them. They're still a normal person for quite a while. But they have all these like supernatural abilities. They're almost like vampiric for a minute. And then they go zombie. But I like that it was a slow turn into this grueling, annoying beast that I hate. But... I, I liked the fresh perspective, and I liked the mystery of how they find out that she's walking around in there, and he calls it a, what does he, he says that they're like a pulling grift. some kind of, a, a grift. grift. Yeah. I was like, that's hilarious, <laughs> I love that too, and I love how it's like, just don't tell her, don't upset her, I love the jazz influence, it was a, it was a good take, a fresh take on zombies. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Kevin, I want to go to you, who did you think was the funniest character in this uh, film. I, I just, I found the Matthew Gray Grubler character, uh, Zach's brother, fucking hilarious. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> you're fucking your scarf, <laughs> and he, it's my dead girl, my dead girlfriend's oh scarf. My God, you know? yeah, and, and like so, my Desert Eagle. Where's my Desert Eagle? <laughs> there was a lot of great one-liners. There in really this, was. You know? To answer that question, my A plus character in this goes to to Aubrey Plaza's character, uh, from not just okay. a comedic timing bit from, um, but showing. The, the sensitive sides, the angry bits, like being able to change and turn it all on a, on a, on a dime. I think she did a really good job of uh, taking the character and kind of running with it. Um, maybe not as much as the one-liners, but at the end of the movie, I mean, she's running around with a oven strapped to her back, screaming pretty, pretty <laughs> at the top of her lungs, just like, you know, it's, it's comedic. It's absolutely hilarious. And she does a great job at, at not just defining herself by the role that Parks and Rec kind of defined for her as the Aubrey Plaza role. Um, and that kind of is, is a cool thing so cole you said originally in your vibe check you were just kind of like this was a fine film mm -hmm. did you laugh at all at least in the first half of the film at least yeah yeah no i mean there's definitely some things that gave me a chuckle and uh i started picking up more on the vibe when uh you know the, they, well, there was like the grocery store scene which was pretty funny that you, with the napkins but i really started picking up on it when you started seeing more of the dynamic of all the other uh actors and characters and stuff and then the scene where he, like, sees Beth for the first time, and it's just, like, that whole interaction of him freaking out, and then his brother just comes up. And that's when I I, did, I thought he was a cop at first, and then he's like, no, I'm going to escort you all the way out of there, and then I'll call the police <laughs> on you. <laughs> and then he gets in, like, to a, a Dodge Neon with a yellow light following behind his own brother, taking him all the way out. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and that's when uh, that's when the film kind of picked up for me. <laughs> I started just... You know, start getting Get into in the your film. fucking sob and put it in reverse. <laughs> yep, exactly. Up next, I think the soundtrack to this is it, it's one of those films that does have like kind of this amazing like indie soundtrack. And I mean, I have I think I have different thoughts on the film overall, but at least like there there's a few songs in here like Can Vitamin C. Do you think that they timed the music well in this, or did they just kind of put a lot of indie music in here? to, you know, make it kind of a cooler film. I kind of always feel that way with the addition, like, addition of any kind of, like, indie soundtracks to a movie, that it's just tends to be kind of, like, shoved in there for one purpose or the other. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. <laughs> I liked the soundtrack. I liked the what they put forward very much, and the fact that it didn't stand out to me as something that I had as a talking point means that they it worked in just fine. Okay, Kevin? So, we already highlighted it a little bit, but the uh, smooth jazz aspect of this whole thing really yeah. uh, tickled my fancy, <laughs> I've got to say. Um, there was a lot of great different samplings of a lot of um, pretty, you know, eclectic individuals in the, in the world of elevator music. But I popped really hard at the final scene when the dulcet tones of Chuck Mangione and his flugelhorn playing feels so good came across the screen and I was just like, yes, and was was pretty stoked <laughs> on that whole bit because um, that's kind of like the the atypical, wonderful, arcing song that, that it really needed to be in that. So other than that, the soundtrack really didn't stand out too much for me. I think you nailed it when it said it's an indie soundtrack that just kind of got inserted into the movie. But they did a good job of, you know, using a plot point of the jazz music and then making it a, a focal point of the soundtrack as well. All right, makes sense, makes sense. Uh, Cole, so I, I'm going to take a dark turn here. 
Um, I, as the dark char guy. Yeah. <laughs> Come to as me. As Aubrey Plaza or Beth, you know, she slowly starts becoming more of a zombie. She gets very sexual, you know, that is part of uh, what this zombie lore is. There is a scene where she literally tries to rape the main character, Zack. Uh, did you find that scene extremely disturbing or just not funny at all? Or did you just sort of take it like, you know, they were portraying her turning into a zombie? Yeah, um, I definitely I thought it was an interesting take of like, you know, the reverse of typically what happens in those scenes where she's the one kind of sexually assaulting him. I I don't think, you know, it was not very comedic to me, but I don't think it, uh, you know, I, I don't think we're supposed to take it as seriously as, you know, it would be in the real life. Plus, she's turning into that zombie and becoming more animalistic in that, in that scene. Uh, I think that's kind of like the main turning point where he kind of flips a switch and just looks like, uh, I don't think Beth is who she says she is. She lives in a weird mud-filled attic and is now trying to, you know, uh, take advantage of me while playing smooth jazz. So Yeah. Uh, I, Kelly, did you find it as just kind of her turning more animalistic or did you kind of find it, like, disturbing? No, I think that it was animalistic. I don't find it any more or less disturbing than just the okay. nature of this uh, movie. But it wasn't funny. And I think that a lot of it leading up yeah. to that point for me, it was just like a silly yeah. kind of disturbing at any times. And then that part happened and I was like, this one, this one ain't very funny at all. This is yeah. bad vibes. This is not good. And then later yeah. in the movie, he kind of explains like, Beth, you're not you. You're weird. You're violent. And he doesn't really mention, and you tried to rape me. And like, yeah. he never talks about it again. He's just like, and it seems kind of swept under the rug yeah. um, in a way. So Kevin, yeah. uh, there's also a lot of R words in this film. Yeah, there are. <laughs> and so I'm going to ask you, is this a film that could even be made today? No, absolutely not. Mostly just yeah. because of that alone. I think I was, when watching yeah. it, I was wondering if this time period would have been right around the last time that it was kind of, not ever acceptable, but where it wasn't looked on with a lens that it is now, mm-hmm. where we definitely, you know, don't don't approach that at all. But in, in cinema and in even normal conversations, that was probably pretty normal, even for, what, 2014? Doesn't even seem that long ago. Uh, But uh, other than that, a unique point on that, it was actually written back in 2003 is when it was started to be written as a screenplay. Um, And then it took that long because he was just keeping making other projects and it didn't take until actually Aubrey Plaza, who was married to our writer-director, who got really excited about the the role, pulled it out of the closet and essentially was the vehicle that actually got this made. Um, So it... Is can be written in 2003, could be written now, but I think just minus those couple PC things, it, it probably generates uh, across the board. Zombies and romance, yeah. everybody loves both those things. Not everybody, yeah. but a lot of people enjoy those things. Shoot, they made that Pride and Prejudice zombie movie, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, we talked about it. Shaun of the Dead is in, like, the... the zeitgeist like in the lexicon of the greatest movies of all time and that's like the originator of the zom rom com itself mm-hmm. and this tried to be that a little bit um and i think that's kind of where it fell off for me um we talked mm-hmm. about that vibe changing a little bit there kelly and i think it, it was fun and then it tried to be serious and that's when it yeah. completely lost me like it tried to be like oh here we go i've got this violent crazy zombie girlfriend and if they really would have went all balls to the wall on that whole thing with the super violent gore and all of that maybe it would have been a completely different feeling but it was just like half-hearted at best and that's where it kind of mm-hmm. lost me i agree completely. yeah there's 
I, I think there's a definitely a first part of this film and a second part of the film where they try to get very serious in the second part of the film and also go like overly violent, overly uh, crazed at points. And I, I think the beach scene is really that scene where things take a dramatic turn um, where Aubrey Plaza or Beth, uh, she you know completely freaks out at Zach playing her a solo like acoustic song. And uh, then just starts, like, punching and throwing shit, being extremely violent. Kelly, did you find that, like, that was the point right there, that it started going downhill? Yeah, yeah, because that comes right before the scene we had just been talking about, where we had an interesting take on things up till then, and we had a lot of FaceTime from a wide cast of comedians. And I agree with you from er earlier, Eric, I think that the brother Kyle was the standout funniest bit of the whole movie to me. He stays funny into the second half, too. He he doesn't let me down. But I agree that that's kind of the shift where we change and we don't have that that funniness anymore. It's no more, like, laugh out loud. Yeah. Like, uh, Molly Shannon's big funny moment is now that she's missing a hand and feeding her daughter. I was like, that's dark and not as funny as it could have been. Just yeah. weird. <laughs> And, you know, okay, I know Kevin said this earlier, but I actually feel like Aubrey Plaza was not really made for this role. She, When she turns into this uh, very violent zombie, I'm kind of just like, I don't think she's acting this well. Uh, Cole, did you feel the same way? Was her acting kind of off for you in this? I can't remember the name of the movie, but she did, like, another indie film. It was, or Egret Goes West or something was one of, like, the first movies mm. that I watched her in besides Parks and Rec, and I thought she did very good in that film yeah. uh, from an acting perspective. But in this film, I could not take her serious as like a angry zombie. Um, mm -hmm. I thought, you know, she did well. Like it was like a 50, 50, like some scenes I was like, yeah, I like Aubrey Plaza. And then other scenes I'm like, this is kind of bad. Like this just, just doesn't feel right. Like the, just the scene and like how it was portrayed, just something feels kind of off with it. Um, although the scene that like really brought me all back was just the scene where she's carrying the stove and oven on her back and she's just yelling like pretty and lavender <laughs> and stuff. I was just like, that, that, pretty, pretty. that, that killed me. Um, uh, but like the scene right before that, where she's sitting on the, on the ground strapped to the stove with her mom and him and they're like kind of having a conversation and I get it that she's also turning into a zombie, but the whole time I'm just like this. I just kind of, I'm just like, let's just move on. This isn't funny. This isn't really accomplishing much. And also, like, she ate her dad. We never saw it. And she just, he yeah. just shows up and is yeah. like, that guy's eating. Also, yeah. they never show a zombie eating a single person ever in this movie. At least I don't remember no. them biting a single person. The only time it, no. it kind of happens is a dude's just randomly walking in their backyard and she just walks out, which I thought it was funny when she just walks right through the door and then just yeah. immediately eats a guy. But all you see is like blood splatters, but it's like, one, I don't know why that guy was there. And two, you don't even see or eat anybody. You don't see a zombie. You don't see any zombies. You see them killing more zombies and burning them. than you see zombies killing people. So right. I think that uh, regardless of how well it felt, um, I think that was a very direct intention by our director is having the zombie apocalypse happening behind Rob in the background of this movie, which was actually, kind of interesting to me like it progressively got like oh wait people are coming back from the dead and people aren't really paying attention to it and i thought that was kind of a subtle part that was interesting to me like oh more people are dying because i thought it was kind mm -hmm. of isolated to beginning with i thought it was just like 
particular to our Beth character. And then it was like, oh, wait, there's other people involved. And I don't feel like they explained that very well, but maybe that was intentional. So, Kelly? Yeah, I you were gonna uh, say something. agree with... I like how it's introduced in that kind of way. And I like us seeing like the mailman when he mm-hmm. shows up and it's like, I haven't mm-hmm. seen you in a while. And he's just like grabs a stack of mail, <laughs> shoves it into his chest and then drives off and hits mailboxes. Yep. It's like, okay, yeah. that's another almost a zombie person. And then you have the chef during the Anna Kendrick scene. That's pseudo zombie person, but none of them ever eating anything. They're just, and I thought that's all that maybe the zombies were going to become are just like idiots. Like, <laughs> that are not helpful to society any longer yeah or not actually anybody yeah Yeah. and i thought that that might have been interesting but then yeah as things ramp up and then we enter part or act two now suddenly all the really decayed people have come up but also they're Mm -hmm. kind of confused while then the other ones are bloodthirsty and i'm like where does where's the timing on this are they all in sync are they not in sync Mm -hmm. and then we get your i shot grandpa on the head jokes (laughs) right it's like Um, fun fact that the mailman was played by Jim O'Hare, who also played Jerry Gergich in Parks and Rec. There's so, a there's a lot of yeah. Parks and Rec references yeah. in this movie because like you, obviously you got uh, our main character, you got Jerry Nick Offerman voices overs the the Peru footage where ah. he, he that's Nick Offerman <laughs> doing it. She's okay. on the phone talking to another man who's Andy, who is her husband in the Parks and Rec show. Like, they just keep dropping it. And I like Parks and Rec, so I was enjoying it. But, like, half the time, I'm just like, this is kind of like a fan service for people for Parks and Rec. Maybe that's what they're, that's what they're going for, to get people. In. But Yeah, if you see Aubrey yeah. Plaza as the lead character, I'm sure you're pulling some people. So that goes to the next kind of big name in this film, Anna Kendrick as Erica Wexler. Uh, Kelly, I want to ask you, you know, th- this was, I think the the diner scene, the breakfast scene, was supposed to be kind of a reprieve from uh, Beth's violence, but do you find this character even necessary in this film? Uh, yeah, because, I mean, she comes into it at the end of it, but she kind of shows Zach when um, he's kind of reliving his relationship with Beth, where it starts out really uh, strong and sexy and then it turns into her being awful to him and that kind of stuff and then she's just kind of this like person who asks him about how he's doing and where he's been and it leads to a lot of funny moments of him saying i can breathe it through my nose around you where he didn't really address that before so he was keeping that to himself and we wouldn't have had a reason for him to say such a thing it also filled me the whole time i thought that beth was going to walk up to them at the diner and freak out mm-hmm. inevitably that happens right afterwards but i do think she was necessary yeah this was post pitch perfect so it's like anna kedrick did have a following at, at this point and yeah i mean she was a notable actor to add to the cast kevin did you find this character necessary uh yeah for the same reasons that uh kelly had mentioned i think that it gives um a direct opposite of audrey plaza on the, the comparison of the decaying dead girl versus the, the other option. Um, and it's also there for that le- levity's sake of uh, those one-liners um, showing them, you know, like, like Kelly already mentioned. I do think bringing her back in um, at the ending there was kind of interesting, um, showing like, oh, zombie apocalypse is now over, and do you want to go out for dinner? And like, we're just going to go right back to, you know, the regular life. So I think that part, too, allowed the viewer to kind of look at this whole thing as a 
the farce that it was, which was just contained in this one environment and things can go back to normal, mm. including dating another girl. And the cycle continues, I guess. Yeah. Plus, you know, okay. Andy Kendrick is adorable and beautiful, so. <laughs> of course. There it is. So, Cole, uh, as we kind of go into the apocalyptic zombie part of this film, I'm going to ask you, this film had a budget of $2.4 million, and there are definitely zombie films uh, like Night of the Living Dead that have done much uh, more with less. Cole, do you think they use this budget properly at all? Uh, no, I don't. Yeah. I feel like they, uh, they kind of blew it on, I don't know, I one, I don't even know how they afforded all of these, all the whole cast, which may be where the whole budget yeah. went to, mm-hmm. but 2.4 million to make a movie is not, not a lot of money. I mean, Rover was like 11 million and that was kind of a very kind of minimalist, but this one, I think they just blew their budget on, on the actors and stuff because again, there was like never any zombies actually biting or any like special effects in terms of or visual effects or any of that stuff of the zombies biting people all the zombies were basically just people with really like either gray makeup painted like yeah. they look like they were from a black <laughs> and white powder. movie yeah. <laughs> or mm-hmm. just like i don't know looked roughed up a little bit I mean, I I just don't think they used the budget very well. And I, I sent a screenshot to you guys of when I was watching the film and she's carrying the stove on her back and she's got the, the stove, the eyelets, like the way it describes them is it has two knobs for the same eyelet, but it, so it has like a front and then the right rear and then the right rear and then the front right, it, but it never has the, the right left right rear. So it that kind of bothered me. And there's like other small stuff like that, like the chessboard and other things that... They, um, you know, maybe if they had a better budget or they did a better job, they would have had better props. But you know, and they also burnt down the life shacks or the the the, the shacks. So maybe they put a bunch of money into that thing. I don't know, but I don't think they did a good job with the budget. Yeah, like I I don't feel like they even portrayed a post like a apocalyptic zombie town very well with what they had. And like I was saying, Night of the Living Dead, like fifty years ago, they they did the exact same thing but much better um kevin do you think that they kind of portrayed this apocalyptic town in a halfway decent way at all no i don't really think so i think the main focus of this movie really comes down to our our two main characters um their relationship kind of what they're dealing with because i think everything else takes a back seat in this almost to a fault when you want to make it a zombie movie at least make me feel like it's a zombie movie not your crazy ex-girlfriend now acting a little bit weird, which is kind of what it came across to me. The one part at the end there where the brother was kind of running around, you know, with the gun and talking about the neighborhood watch and all of that jazz, that made it feel a little bit more, like, apocalyptic, but for the most part, nah. Not. So, Kelly, I'm going to ask you, Maury, the dad, he randomly is just kind of, like, becomes a creeper. Like, we figured out the whole reason, uh... We didn't want um, Zach to, or he didn't want Zach to talk to the Haitian maid. And I was, okay, I was very happy the Haitian uh, lady was not at that apartment and didn't save the day because that would have been the uh, magical black character trope that is uh, done a lot in film, which is kind of stupid. But anyway, um, (laughs) was this like just way too convenient for the plot to Maury to just be randomly a creeper, tried to get the maid to touch his penis? Um, was that just kind of a very convenient plot device? 
Um, I think that it makes a lot of sense because early on when Zach comes home late, his whole family is kind of eyebrows raised, especially his brother who watches over the neighborhood. They seem to think something's going on with Maury. I think so just by it reminded me of uh, Ginger and Rosa. As soon as a adult male Roll starts one. saying, yeah. call me by my first name to, I think they're like 19 <laughs> in this. So maybe you're starting to get to be an adult as well, but it should make your eyebrows raise. So the fact that they did that, the fact that they took the black character trope of they'll save the world because they're from Haiti. They know about zombies. That's why she ran away. And he literally yeah. asked Zach to his face. Is that why you think that we'll be able to help? And him struggling to respond was very funny. And that would play off yeah, hilarious that today. That's very <laughs> yeah. ahead of its time, I think, for 2014. Thought that that was great. But the thing that really bothered me about Maury and him finding this out is he kind of was just like, oh, okay. Carries on with the movie and then goes to his grave and Mm -hmm. is like, here's the little chess piece from when we really bonded and told each other we loved each other. You sex fiend. Doesn't matter to him. (laughs) Kevin, uh, did you find that, you know, a little convenient or do you think that actually served a purpose? Because I I kind of felt like it just came out of nowhere and it it just kind of felt like this plot device to, uh, I don't know, like make Zach try to make things work with Beth and then also to make him wake up the next day, like to black out for a night and fast forward behind or beyond all the zombies ravaging the town. So Kevin, did you feel that that was necessary too? Mm, I think there's a couple different questions in there. I, I like what they did with the, with the Haitian hope device, I guess. And most zombie films have some sort of redemption factor something that will save the day something that will will save the virus stop the, the infection whatever they end up me being and we had that kind of hope for our main character there until it was the last second pulled away and i do think at that point it was kind of yeah a, a convenient plot device like oh swerve she liked mm-hmm. you know the penis touching or whatever that whole thing was i do think that was kind of last second thrown in there Kelly mentioned that the relationship between the dad was kind of suspect. Um, I know when our main character, Zach, was talking to his parents at one point and mentioned Maury, his dad made like a, a judgmental comment related to the to the name or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so you could tell there was supposed to be some subplot with that, but it never really became flush at all. And when you put John C. Riley in a, in a role... I don't think you worry too much about the subcontext of his character. You should be worrying about his one-liner and his comedy bits because that's what he's really, really good at and not so much the, the other part. Although there are exceptions to that, but we can get that. Yeah, Gangs in New York. He was. He I really was liked his that, uh, role yeah. in Chicago, too. That, that was yeah, really Chicago. Too. That was really yeah. cool. So, but anyway, that's my two cents on Maury, the pedophile, or not. Cole, I got one more zombie lore uh, question for you. Do you find it okay that this movie never really explains... Uh, how these people started becoming zombies. Uh, like they, I guess Beth got bit, but like we don't really ever know the origin of it. Yeah, so like she got bit by a snake and then dies, and they're like, oh, I wonder what kind of snake it was. Uh, certain <laughs> like movies and stuff that have like the open-ended or don't give you full, all the answers and stuff, I like those movies a lot. This was not one of them. I was kind of annoyed that they, the zombies showed up and then at the very end, the zombies were just kind of went away, and they were like, it was just a localized thing. Looked like it was just yeah. something we had going on. Who knows? <laughs> Dead people woke up. We shot them in the head. We move on with our lives. Uh, that was like, I, I, did, I didn't like how they handled the, uh, just 
no one cared <laughs> kind of at the end. They were just like, eh, mm-hmm. whatever, man. We, you know, you had to shoot grandpa in the head, move on. You burn the bodies, <laughs> pick up, find the deagle, go back home. Kelly, uh, were you okay with kind of that just kind of lazy um, glossing over of how this, you know, might have happened? How people started becoming zombies? No, it's unsatisfactory, and I know that it's not yeah. the, like, number one most important thing, or even the second most important thing that this film wants to talk about, but mm-hmm. you gotta give something if you're giving a zombie movie to explain the beginning and end, and it being just so like, oh, we're done now. Time, yeah. time to get dinner. Like, I feel like often it's a pandemic, something environmental, something, it, it you know? Is, it almost like he put it in there just so that they could make the resurrection joke and like, have some sort of, of plot device. Like, well, I don't know what happened. God must have done this. Like, it was almost like they purposely left out background lore just so they could make one-liner jokes about it and just kind of leave it Zombie alone. Jesus and yeah, stuff like right. that. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Or okay. it's like, yeah. make... Um, beth tied to it because it starts and ends with her so just add some kind of artifact she found in the woods on her hike when she's hiking alone now i'm satisfied that's that's all they needed all right and uh so now i guess let's talk about the very very end you know like cole was just kind of saying it, it ends up being just this like local thing where locally people started turning into zombies he goes to see beth's grave and then you know, they kind of just get in the car, and he ends up with uh, Erica or Anna Kendrick. I don't know. Did that feel just kind of, like, too tidy uh, to you, Kelly? Can I go last? I have a theory. Okay. Cole? Yeah. I um, I thought the ending was pretty uh, cheap, or, like, just it didn't really uh, scratch that itch, I suppose. Uh, one thing I did like was I just I liked the nice touch of how every, all like every so often the graves that people turned into zombies they like put a metal plate and concrete slab over it so they're like you're not fucking getting back up. <laughs> but so I I enjoyed that little like kind of touch of you know world building so to speak. But uh, yeah, I thought it was kind of a, a cheap way to end it where it's just like. Hey man, that was what a kooky weekend we had. Here's your new girlfriend, and your parents are fine, and we're all gonna head back to the house. We got people, you know, fixing it now. So, Kevin, yeah, it was like the whole climactic scene where we know that our two main characters are eventually get to a point where he will have to make the hard decision of shooting his zombie girlfriend in the head. Uh-huh. As soon as the brother shows up and they have that conversation, like, man, you're really gonna do it, you know. 10 minutes down the line, it's just gonna, it just was so unsatisfying. Just like, okay, here's the gun, let's walk, boom. <laughs> it was just, it was just too easy, really simple. It wasn't funny. So earlier I had made the complaint where it was trying to be a comedy slash horror, but it wasn't neither of either of them. This is one of those parts where it really didn't shine in any circumstance. Like, we're coming up to the climax of the movie, but I'm finding myself nothing but worrying about, you know, what kind of gun he has. And, the comedy of the brother more than our actual characters so yeah it was but, convenient and that was it you know when he shot her her body just fell apart as she rolled down the hill <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, i actually like that part <laughs> so, like, you know, so the, so the yeah. comedy came in the physical but, comedy yeah, not actually yeah. anything the, with the, the writing the music muting also as she rolls and rolls i was like that's a good touch yeah. as well yeah yeah, yeah. like the 
I 100% agree with you, Kevin. It was pretty uh, boring and just, like, get it over with. But then he just shot her and then it's just, like, quiet and her body's just, like, legs flying off and all this <laughs> and, stuff. Like, attaching a zombie to a, an oven and throwing it down a mountain yeah. is pretty unique, yeah. I will say. Yeah. I've never seen that before. <laughs> Kelly? All right. The theory. The theory. You know the how theory. when Beth becomes a zombie, her family's, like, waiting on hand and foot. Everything has to be just fine. Let's not upset her. And things are status quo. And you have a test tomorrow. You got something to think about. There's two moments with Zach and Anna Kendrick, whose character name I can't remember, where Zach Erica. Zach Erica is really Wexler. close to yeah. He gets really close to Erica, and er, and he says like, "Have you seen people showing up again that haven't been around for some time?" And she goes, "Like you." And I was like, "Hmm." Um, yeah. And then a little bit later. I was like, okay, so that's putting something in my head, but I don't think it really happened. I think that maybe it's just a teaser. Then Maury knocks him out, and he lays face up for at least a night. I'm like, maybe he just died. Maybe now he's a zombie. And then maybe at some point, the mom, and when they're in their little compound, they're like, status quo. We're not going to let him know. And Erica... Uh. You're in on this too. We got to keep things calm so it doesn't start over again. I think you might be blazing this a little bit. I'm giving oh. it way more credit than it's deserved. <laughs> I'm aware. Just We're giving way too much credit. Yeah, yeah. I thought, like, when he got banged in the head, I was like, oh shit, he's going to be dead. And he's going to wake up as a zombie. And then uh, I, uh, he woke up and then he never had any signs and stuff. And then I kind of got disappointed that they didn't go that route i would have liked them to but i don't think they did and also right before that when they're sitting in the car he looks at her and he's like i'm kind of hungry and i was like oh shit the zombies are still here (laughs) yeah yeah well um before we give her ratings i kind of want to share what i think this film was actually about i actually think this film was about toxic relationships the okay beth and zach it, it kind of starts out with him crying over them breaking up, right? And we figure out later that she broke up with him, and then she, like, completely gaslights him. You know, like, I, I think that, like, she was definitely a zombie, didn't remember it, but uh, it goes into her gaslighting him and then love-bombing him shortly after, like, saying, I love you, you know? And then the very sexual, physical parts of the relationship follow that, and then after that, uh, she's extremely violent, um, abusive, and toxic, and, you know, extreme overly protective of him. Uh, and so I think in the end, this was actually about like a toxic, abusive relationship. And, you know, saying you, f- you just need to shoot that person in the head and get on with your life. Not literally. People listening right now do not shoot people in the head. But, um, you know, like I-, I think it's like you need to get that person out of your life and move on. And that's why I, I sort of feel like Erica's character Anna Kendrick's character was just a little too like convenient tidy where also she at the very end was kind of like she seemed despondent because she killed somebody and then the second Zach just asked her out on a date she's like oh yeah I could do that you know like it it just seemed a little lame either way uh Kevin did you do you think that is a good synopsis of the film I think that in the absence of anything else really compelling about the movie that leaves us with kind of looking for something a little bit deeper. And I know we're on a movie podcast and we're trying to look for those things, but someone made a reference to it earlier. I think Cole did what he said. It just felt like a normal movie instead of an A24 movie. 
And I guess I kind of would have to agree with him in that circumstance. I think that you could probably look for some deeper meanings in this, and you're 100% right when you you know, nail all of those things that this movie does, you know, you can compare it to. But mm-hmm. I do think that this was probably just a vanity project by whoever was writing it, wanted to make sure that it got done, found himself in a relationship with an actress who was able to do it, and then made sure that it got done. Um, yeah. And that's that's the long and short of it. it but at the same time, we've we've been able to talk about it for almost forty five minutes here, so there's got to be something yeah. more than than just uh, zombies. But yeah, that's, uh, and I'm trying not to read too far into it. Sure. I'm I'm just thinking that I think that was the writer slash director's intent, and I'm not sure he achieved it very well. But I do <laughs> think that was the intent of his story. Cole, do you agree? Yeah, I think uh, I think they went into it wanting to do the horror rom com, but. Be like, it's gonna be a twist. It's gonna be a horror rom com about a toxic relationship, and then he's gonna, you know, kill her. So I think you, I think you're correct on that assumption and and your interpretation of the film and and how they portrayed everything. Because I mean, it has all the signs of a toxic relationship of her manipulating him and and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you know, Andy Kendrick's character is kind of the the flip side of, hey, look at there's you know people that aren't shitties or shitty people or you know a zombie uh, but you know what really what i want to know is why was everyone so interested in the attics you know i want to <laughs> know why the zombies kept going to the attic and why they were putting mud up there never got that never you know yeah. never filled that void as actress because... think... goes they like attics yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> need... i feel like that was just some comedic parts of it yeah, yeah. I, I mean he, he goes what are we going to add to zombie lore at the end of this movie <laughs> yeah attics Smooth jazz. Yeah. Smooth right. jazz. Those are the two yeah. things that are getting added to zombie lore <laughs> I did after get a, life after best. I did get a kick out of the grandpa who's just like, I'm gonna go up to the attic and they're like, Why are you going to the attic? I just, I'm just gotta go. Yeah, yeah. I like attics. <laughs> yep. And then the mom saying, like, fine, just or just go to the attic and he goes, Well, I don't have to go right now. <laughs> is is yeah. anyone finding themselves laughing more at, at us talking about it than they did when they were actually watching the movie? <laughs> yes. There were a lot of one liners that made me <laughs> laugh. Some funny parts of it that where I laughed pretty heartily, but yeah. Uh anyway, let's get into our ratings. Uh Kelly, I will start with you for this one. I think that all in all, not a great movie, not a lot of depth to it, not very A twenty four in any regards, um, except for the first like 15 to 20 minutes, which are, in my opinion, artfully done and really funny as well. And then if you set it up like that and then you drop me off a cliff, I'm going to be even more upset with you about it. There were, it was worth watching. I wouldn't say that I regret my time spent watching it, um, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't great by any means. Nothing, nothing to write home about. So, that said, D twenty four. Ooh, Oof. that, yeah. So All right, cool. Is you... E E is an egg. D, D is an, as an egg. D is in duck. D, oh, okay. D. Yeah. Okay. Okay. D. That, that's a yeah. little bit. I was like, I wouldn't drop more... an E that lightly. Yeah. But that's what I thought. Yeah. I was just like, damn, Kelly. Damn, that's what I thought too. I was like, nah, Kelly, darn. Duck, <laughs> so, uh, like I said, uh, it, this film. Uh, it didn't catch me right away as it did, you know, Kelly and stuff with the vibes. Uh, and it just felt like just a, a, a movie that I would watch on TV. Maybe like I'm homesick or something and it's just on the TV and I'm like, yeah, I'll watch it. And you know, it got a couple chuckles. 
Uh, had some good one-liners. Uh, definitely wasn't, uh, you know, it, it entertained me for the 90 minutes that it had before. And I don't regret it, but it's not one that I'll ever go back and see. And I, it's not one that I'll really push on to people who recommend. And for an A24 podcast, it does not meet really any of the stuff that I would want to see in an A24 film. Uh, that being said, I did enjoy the cast and they had a lot of good one-liners and, and that scene of, you know, her carrying a stove, uh, just get, maybe laugh and gives me good visuals. So I'm going to give this a, uh, C minus 24. Cool. Uh, Kevin. So on the surface, this movie absolutely looks way more appealing than it turns out to be underneath. Um, on watching the trailer afterwards, it certainly sets itself up as a very entertaining film with an A-star cast um, and, a, and a light-hearted subject that a lot of people can get behind in zombie films. But upon further review, as we've kind of talked about it, it really turns itself into a sketch comedy gone too long. An SNL skit that's extended its stay and doesn't really have much more than the surface of the one-liners that we so reverently have discussed during this review. I think after that point, it becomes a slog, um, it becomes predictable, and it becomes something that um, there's a lot of other comparable movies that are much, much better and accomplished in a lot of other places. Um, at the end of the day, I really didn't enjoy that movie too much. I kind of came away saying, wow. One of my least favorite zombie movies I've ever seen, and that's really sad to say. And uh, I'm going to give it a D-plus 24, because I like John C. Riley a whole lot, and I think that um, anything that he's attached to is probably brilliance. So that's what I got. Well, I think this might be one of the few podcasts where we're all going to be in agreement on it. So when I look at this film in terms of like horror comedies uh, and also zombie comedies, I, I think of Zombieland, Fido, Shaun of the Dead... On a scale of all those films, I think this might be one of the worst I've seen in this genre. I do think the, the script shined at times. There were parts where I like truly laughed my ass off. and like I, I think the whole second half of the film, though, the choices of the writer uh, really failed the story. I also think that Aubrey Plaza could not really hold up her end as this uh, violent zombie. I, I, I see her as a comedy actor with a dry wit, and I can't see her as much more than that. Uh, unfortunately, but she does play that role very, very well. Uh, I do like the music a lot, though. The film generally entertained me, and I think with these A24 ratings, the uh, barrier between D-plus and C-minus is going to be, like, the ultimate barrier to me between a film that failed and a film that begrudgingly passed. And for the week that Blaze is not here, I'm going to give this a C-minus, one above Spring Breakers, uh, <laughs> because I'm going to say this one was just a little bit better than Spring Breakers. And, uh, yeah, C minus, and that's where it's going to land for me. It's begrudgingly passes, but, uh, it's probably a film I wouldn't watch again. Fair and enough. we had to watch and... it on Tubi. Like, come yeah. on. Yeah, I... <laughs> well, I, got I got Canopy for this one. Uh, it was on Canopy. Oh. Yes, so. everyone, go to your local do... library. You can watch two movies minute... for free. They don't have, it doesn't work in Georgia. I tried. As long it's as you live in a up. cool state. Like Wisconsin or yeah. Michigan. Yeah. Took no. away all your library credits for tax breaks. Yeah. No, ah. I, uh, I paid like $5 <laughs> to rent it off of YouTube. So that's what I did. Yeah. Two. Damn. Well, I think uh, next week we have Tusk, 
Uh, oh, yes. And we should be able to find that film somewhere. And I think that uh, we might have a guest on, not confirmed yet, but uh, we're very excited to review a Kevin Smith film. So, Absolutely. Until next week, see ya, A24 nerds. Love you all. Bye. 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 Cheers. <laughs> Thank you.